genre. Welcome back to the Cornetto Minute, the soon-to-be daily podcast where we will analyze and celebrate Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy one minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez, assistant manager. <laughs> and uh, joining us, we have... I'm Gary Roby. And I'm Brian Green. Welcome, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so today we are discussing change the second mm-hmm. episode of Space Series 2. And um, I'm just going to say right up front, uh, I I know that, you know, the – and I think we've talked about this before, but I think when it comes to space, I, I don't know if I'm just like weird for, for feeling this way or what, but it seems that um, a lot of people tend to like the – sort of gimmicky episodes more. Um, but this is one of my favorite episodes of this show. Uh, maybe my favorite. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure Nick and I will do some sort of like ranking or something at the end of this. Sure. I mean, how else was this going to end? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I I just love this episode. But it, it's funny because it's a pretty basic kind of sitcom episode. Mm-hmm. It's got a very basic sitcom structure of there's a problem and they solve their problem and there's a C story with Brian. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, 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 I don't know what it is about this episode in particular, but I just love it to pieces. Cause it's just about the characters and there's no, there's no sort of gimmick to, um, you know, there's no paintball gimmick. There's no, mm. Uh, whatever, but yeah, because there's there's been a, there's like a few gimmicks. You know, the last episode we were just talking about, there was the whole Matrix gimmick, yep. mm. um, which is super weird. Uh, and we talked about how weird that was <laughs> in, uh, in in our last episode. But yeah, this one's very just kind of uh, sitcom by the numbers, but in that you know space style. And this is kind of what I wish m- most of the show was. Uh, yeah is is like this yeah i agree with that yeah some of my favorite stuff is like the really character centric like let's just give these characters time to interact with each other and sort of flesh things out a bit Mm -hmm. you know what's so interesting is for me personally it it was it was really cool rewatching this one in particular because this had the most i forgot how many of my favorite moments were in this episode Mm. right and I, I first want. I, I never owned space before doing the show. I would just watch him as they were on. So I, I've seen more season two than series one. And when I was first watching them, I couldn't tell which one was season one and season two. I just could tell. I just assumed the one with the weird uh, mud filter was season one. And, uh-huh. and and I was right. And but 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 I remember like so many moments, and we'll go over each of them. But like. I this to me in my brain is is like vintage space. I think it's it's the kind of space that we would have gotten more if this had been 
like a how i met your mother like a show that did last for longer than than three years mm-hmm. you know? yeah this is this is as far as i'm concerned the quintessential spaced episode like i think yes, that I, yeah i i think this is the that like if Somebody, if you're trying to get someone into spaced and they're like, what's a good episode to watch? This yeah. is the one. It's like, spaced, watch yeah. watch this. If you don't like this, you don't like the show. Right. Spaced uh, and chill. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I just, I really, I just really love this episode. Uh, and I think it's the, I think it's the strongest showcase of the ensemble so far, which is always like yep. a, a major milestone test for any sitcom is like how 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 strong is your your group of characters? Mm-hmm. And I think this one passes it. Right. Yeah, completely. Um so I guess I mean the first thing that we 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 have to discuss, uh we have to we have to discuss the elephant in the room, uh which is the uh, the Back to the Future reference uh, <laughs> that opens this episode. Um, so yeah, I just uh, I I I I don't know that I ever because it's very it's funny because it is kind of subtly done in in a way that it's like a very minor Back to the Future mm-hmm. reference, um, just my, like a visual yeah. thing. My wife didn't uh, catch it when we were watching it just now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's it's super minor, and I don't think I ever really realized it. But then again, the last time I watched this whole series was probably prior to doing Back to the Future Minute. Uh, I didn't. Um, I actually didn't get it until I watched the commentary. I didn't. Oh. <laughs> I didn't realize until you just brought it up right now. And as soon as you said it, I was like, "Oh, of course, oh. that's what that is." But like, yeah. But yeah. In, yeah, in the commentary, there's a bit where, you know, the license plate is spinning and Edgar Wright's like, back to the future. And I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. yeah. That makes so much <laughs> sense. Speaking of the commentary, um, we had talked about, uh, you know, when we were talking about series one episodes, we talked about that really uncomfortable uh, commentary where uh, Kevin Smith just oh, we're kept going asking. Here. Okay. Yeah. Just kept asking. Uh uh, just kept Hines, asking Nate Jessica Hines, yeah, Hines about about her breastfeeding, um, and it like they to the point where they weren't even really talking about the episode. They were just talking about her breastfeeding because he wouldn't stop asking questions. It was really uncomfortable. This was before he had podcasts, right? To like um, to, like vent all this energy out, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, so it was just it was super gross and uncomfortable, um, and I didn't think. I didn't think I was like, well, at least, yeah, we're done. We don't have Kevin Smith anymore. We're not ever going to have to have another uncomfortable commentary. <laughs> I'm like genuinely like really happy that you noticed this too. Like, cause we didn't uh, even talk about this and I already know what you're bringing up, but I'm just, I'm vibing yeah. with you right now. I just want to acknowledge it. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, and then Pat Oswalt, uh, is on this episode and all he does the whole commentary is talk about how, in love with Jessica Hines, he is. Um, and well, how to be more sexy specific, she is. Yeah, and yeah, it, it's it, it's all. I mean, to be to be completely uh, bare, it, it and honest, it it is also heavily discussed in the in his first commentary for the premiere. And yeah, I, but and it's 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 a little it's a little looser there. Like it's well, not. Well, you can you, like at the, the first time it happens, you're like, oh well, yeah, who doesn't love Daisy? And then right. just like every time it's like, you know, because it'll, 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 okay. So for example, guys, you know, there'll be a scene where Daisy will be like, I, 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 
have to go and write something. And then she like trips. And it's a and, perfect Jessica Stevenson. <laughs> I know. It's my first one. They're not all going to be out of the gate. Okay. I'm not Nick Kroll. I can't just do female characters just without even thinking about it. Um, okay. Uh, so, so yeah. And then, and then it's like, oh, what a funny Daisy moment. But then Patton Oswalt would say something kind of like, oh yeah, but if you were, if I was her boyfriend, I wouldn't even care. It's just kind of that weird early 2000s thing that it, there's still like fissures of, in pop culture, but it's kind of like dying off. Yeah. Well, I mean, my my issue with these commentaries, with these like celebrity guest commentaries that they put sure. on these mm. DVDs, is just in general, they don't add anything to the conversation. Now, I'll say the Quentin Tarantino one, and I'm not a big Quentin Tarantino guy. I know you are, Nick, but I I've never been. Like, I, he's fine. Um, but, uh, I think that he brought up like a lot of really interesting conversation about like what it means to be like a Gen Xer and how like popular hmm. culture became oh, important yeah. for a generation and, and yeah, you know, well, if, all if of that stuff, else, like, like they're not he, talking yeah. about the episode, but they're sort of talking about like what the show represents. And like, yeah. that was interesting. At least it, at least it was an interesting conversation, even if it wasn't important for the for the episode but i mean literally you have edgar trying to talk and Patton telling him to be quiet so he can hear daisy say fuck <laughs> that's it's, it's so like, adorable oh. and that kind of weird like condescending yeah. like is she you know, yeah i don't know it just it it look maybe i'm being sjw cringe but it just it just made like the it just kind of made me skeeve a little bit it was yep. kind of like uh eh, yeah i don't know Anyway, um, then that's our that's our criticism of the celebrity commentaries on uh, space DVDs. <laughs> and it's um, I mean, we all like Patton Oswalt here yeah. at, uh, at the dueling genre. Oh, absolutely. And you know, you yeah. know, and you know what else we all like? Mulan. Mulan. Oh, I can get Mulan. Mulan. <laughs> I I love the way Marcia says Mulan. It's uh, my it might be my second my favorite way that I've heard uh someone from England pronounce something is uh Tutankhamun. Tutankhamun. I don't know. Wait, but what yeah, is that? <laughs> Tutankhamun. Tutankhamun. The, uh, the mummy. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, this is great. And that whole this whole scene is just like, I mean, not to sound like Patton Oswalt, but it's just like such a great Daisy moment of she thinks that she's remembering a friend, but she's remembering actually it. remembering watching the movie. I love more. it. I love it so much. <laughs> But she tries to cover for it because she like she's like oh like that whole thing where she doesn't remember that it's it's Mulan, Mulan but Mike remembers and is just like oh yeah that's 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 Mulan that's uh that's it's a, a Disney, Disney film <laughs> yeah it's one of my it's in my top three Eddie Murphy performances. <laughs> <laughs> This uh, is a Mike, great episode. Mike, Mike is in fine form in this episode. Oh, he's so oh, Mike actually has. I think this might be my favorite. Jo- it's definitely one that I I remembered. Like and and like you know the first time I watched the show and I was like oh my god. But when Mike is leaving to go to work and he opens the door and Brian is holding up his fist to knock and Mike thinks that he's doing like a like a fist like a like a power fist and he does it back to him and leaves. <laughs> yeah, it's just just perfect well and not just that not just that but that's the third he does just he does three just amazing things in a row in that and that's the third thing because like the first thing is she asks him what he does and he says uh (laughs) yeah 
if I told you that, I'd have to kill you. And the way that he says it is like sad. Like <laughs> he said, matter of fact, like, yeah, like, yeah, like I'd have to kill you. And then she's like, oh, is it a secret? And he says, no. And then leaves and then does the fist moment. Oh, yeah, so it's... good. And speaking of Brian, he is, uh, he, as we kind of hinted at in things last week, his relationship with twist is taking a toll on him creatively. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, it, this episode is called Change, but to me I think more than anything watching it just a, a couple hours ago, this episode to me is about what it's like or what it feels like so much to be a a, a young person trying to make it as an artist. Like any Absolutely. kind of artist, and, and any kind of creative person. I think this like whether it's the financial mm-hmm. hardships and the emotional hardships. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, so we see that Brian kind of, you know, he can't have it both ways, seemingly. Uh, but yeah, well, he can't. I mean, that's uh, he can't deal with the change. Um, yes. Of, yeah. Like what what it's like being in a relationship. Like he that's not. He's yeah. not used to his art coming from that place. Yeah. Uh, and so he doesn't doesn't know. Though yeah. it does contradict uh, a joke at the end of last season where he was shown uh, after starting to date twist right he was shown yeah. painting like really like happy paintings like beautiful like paintings of like potted flowers right mm-hmm. so it does it does slightly contradict that because uh he was inspired by her for a little while at least yeah um, yeah uh, well but, it shows a different stage in their relationship maybe yeah yeah exactly oh did we totally skip over tim uh, I mean, we we did, but we're not really going in order. Um, okay, cool. Of, I, I, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm just trying to like restructure the episode in my mm. brain, and it just hit me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I. Because uh, Tim's about I, to come into this scene, and I'm like, wait, right, wait, right, right. Tim yet? Okay. No, 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 no. I, I, I just, I, yeah. The fact that this is called Change. I mean, we've talked a lot about how we don't love the titles of these episodes in general. I like this one. Yeah, but I do, I do like this one because. Mm-hmm. It is all about, you know, all of these characters not being able to deal with change, mm-hmm. um, except for, I guess, except for Mike, who seems to deal with it quite well. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> change happens to him, but he isn't really bothered by it. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, I just I, I I like that as as a theme, but it's kind of a subtle one. Uh, Definitely. As, a, as opposed to like some of the other um some of the other titles. Yeah, where they almost movies. like watching them now. They they've always they've almost reminded me of like live action regular show episodes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in a good way. I really like that. <laughs> so, um, so let's... okay. So first, Tim wakes up and everyone's dreaming of something, and he says, "Buffy." I just wanted he... to just lay that out there. <laughs> yeah. It's well, a great moment. He dreams about fictional characters. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like was, you do. Was... Right. It was it was Scully last season and it's Buffy this season. Have you guys um, ever had a dream of to me to me it's either it, it's almost weirder to have a dream just of a fictional character just doing something and you not even being mm-hmm. really in it. Has that ever happened <laughs> to you guys? I've never had that. Okay, me neither. Same. Uh <laughs> I've had dreams. The The most I've ever done is I've had dreams where I've gone to see a movie and that's what the dream was about. Like I had a dream that I was going to see Force Awakens. 
it was like right it was like a month before it came out and in the dream I'm like oh i can't believe i'm gonna go see star wars and i woke up and i'm like jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic getting ridiculous I, I hope this is a recurring dream for you and you have another one in like a month. It's like last, it's it's like Jedi. the the world's lamest prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go see. I, I keep Star having Wars. visions. But but one day, one one year, you will have a dream where you don't see the movie and you're gonna wake up screaming. <laughs> oh, that's like a that, that's like a big fish story. That's like a, <laughs> I wanna write that. It's like a Mark Twain. <laughs> I'm gonna write that down. Speaking of lame <laughs> dreams, the other night I had a dream that I went to the Nintendo s- section of Universal Studios before it opened, and oh, that was nice. that, that was my super cool dream the other night. <laughs> another another prophecy dream. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah. And then speaking of nerd stuff, we get uh, really another we get uh, another scene of uh, Tim working at for uh, Fantasy Bazaar. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, and we get, like, a real scene. I mean, we've, I guess we've only gotten, like, two kind of, like, real fantasy bizarre scenes um, at this yeah. point. Yeah, and to me, I think this has almost all of the best moments of, of fantasy bizarre Bilbo stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is, the, I think these scenes right here, this is our, um, you know, Nick and I sort of, like, main inspiration for the gibson cosmo yes uh, i was gonna ask you this i was waiting to ask you this like this has to be that episode right like this is totally that jeff gibson yeah. moment from geek by night i it's funny because i've been watching the show kind of for the first time but as soon as i got to this i was like oh my god like this is geek by night <laughs> i see it <laughs> yeah, I see yeah. It, and it's great we- yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a huge inspiration for us. And when we were talking about Cosmo, we were just like, let's just let's just blatantly write Bill Bailey because it doesn't it doesn't matter what we write because well, I, we're gonna I have remember... another actor play it. And so it's <laughs> yeah, not like, actually gonna sound gonna like him. him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't tell someone we're we're, we're gonna send someone like a YouTube clip. <clears throat> right. And um but yeah, I mean it's it's yeah, and I I remember watching this as as a teenager, and it, and this has kind of become a theme for talking about holy shit, these movies. Uh, <laughs> it's sort of the realest dog just run past my window and like the scariest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I I remember watching scenes like this of, of 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 Tim working at a comic book store, and it being aspirational. Like, oh, what a cool life that must be to work at a comic book store. <laughs> and just talk about stuff all day. You know, like, you you know, you watch Clerks when you're too mm-hmm. young, like, you know, 14, 15. And you're like, oh, what a great life to just stand in front of a, a convenience store with your friends all day and, like, make jokes. Um, and so it, it was fun watching it now and kind of seeing it a bit more in context. Uh, and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Well, and then uh, so uh, something that I just really love about the Fantasy Bazaar uh, as a store is that uh, it's a really tiny store, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but but the but the back room is like three times it's the size of the huge. store. Are you <laughs> saying it's bigger on the inside, Scott? That's oh what I was leading God. to. But thank they you have for the sign above the back room. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, the, the door to the back room is the TARDIS and I just, I love that it, yeah. 
is bigger than the actual store. I did. That's absolutely yeah. something I didn't get the first time I watched that. I didn't connect yeah. the dots until you just said that. You're right. <laughs> um, also, I love the minor callback, like the super small callback of, uh, Co- of <laughs> I almost called him Cosmo, um, <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of uh, Bilbo offering uh, – Offering Tim twiglets and Tim saying, "I better not, <laughs> better not." Such a yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because twiglets make him violent, um, as we uh, found out in uh, art. Um, and we have the great again, like a really iconic space line where you know Tim exasperatedly says that the Jar Jar Binks makes the Ewoks look like fucking Shaft, <laughs> right? Um, and not not to bring up well, the commentary again, but it, it oh yeah, okay, la- good, good, good. I'm glad you were bringing this up. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, but uh, you know, in the commentary of Patton Oswalt, uh, that that joke is actually based on was it a voicemail that Simon Pegg left? Yes, and uh, it was like I'm in America. I'm about to like I'm so depressed. I hate Pandemonium so much. Uh, Jar Jar makes the Ewoks look like fucking Ice Cube and Boys in the Hood, <laughs> <clears throat> which to me is funnier. But I do agree that Shaft makes it a more like it. It's a more tidy, concise joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's great. And it's, I just, I, yeah, Tim just won't, can't, it's been 18 months as like everyone is telling him. Well, and I just, I love the setup of him making the kid run away from the store crying and then he runs yes. away from the store crying uh, yeah. when he's fired. Um, I just really love that. I don't know. Uh, okay. So uh, Gary, <laughs> you're in retail. You have retail experience. Yes. Brian, you deal with children. Yes. Uh, so I feel like there's a conversation to be had about children etiquette in retail. I don't know. Um, it seems like there's something here. Uh, I've worked at a bookstore. Worthy of discussing. Um, I feel for this kid so much. Me too. Uh, yeah. I, I think for different reasons. I want to hear. Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> So first off, I was this kid. I was probably this kid's age, maybe a little bit older when Phantom Menace came uh-huh. out. And God help me, I I was a fan of Jar Jar at the time. I I have mended my ways. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was I was that kid that would go to, go into stores, you know, in the mall. My parents would drop me off at the mall. I would just hang out at the stores. I wouldn't have any money, but I would like ask the the clerks questions mm-hmm. because I wanted to seem interesting, wanted to seem cool Aww. to these these people that you know are <laughs> they're twenty five years old and working in a GameStop, you know. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but so I feel for this kid, and it like breaks my heart when he's being yelled at for. Wanting to buy a Jar Jar Binks toy. That's hilarious. I was eight yeah. when Phantom Menace came out, and I think it was the first Star Wars movie I saw. So I also like my room was Phantom Menace, mer- like just merch, like wa- like just posters and just what. Oh my god, I got so into it because it was like I think my first real connection to the Star Wars universe. And so like the same thing, like I I definitely kind of feel for this kid a little bit, but. I working at the bookstore that I work at now. Um I definitely get where Tim's at too. Like this kid comes in and he's asking for like the thing that you dread. Like this is the low point of this <coughs> franchise that I've been like a emoji fan movie of for yes, stuff. like why do you want this? <laughs> like there's so much better. But for me, like 
maybe it is just the retail, this, the salesman in me or whatever. It's just like, no, like I don't like this. Like that thing's not very good, but like check this out instead. Right. And that's not his Tim just shuts it down completely. Like get out of here. Yeah. And it, it, it's sort of, it's a lesson that I think every nerd or geek or person that cares about stuff that is originally, and, and I mean this, but you know, is, is meant and created primarily for children and, and that's super important. But yeah, you you realize that there. I, I I have two nephews, and I remember when I was back home last summer, I was like, "Hey, you guys want to go see Kubo and the Two Strings? It's got like a it's got a ninety two percent. I told them this, but you know, it's like a children's movie, <laughs> so but it's like on a ninety two percent director. And they were like, "No, it looks so boring." Oh, like they were like, and I was like, heart. "Oh, like no, I don't think." Very rarely were actual kids into like that kind of yeah like the when you're, not, you're the kid isn't liking the right kind of thing or you know you're not doing it yeah right. you get really precious i think as especially someone who works in like a retail position where like you see what sells a lot or you see what people are going to see or you see what's popular and it's just like i don't agree with this or like why are you interested in this like there's so much wrong i wrong i can't say like it's object it's subjective but it's easy to like kind of take your your ideas as precious and like oh if you like that thing like you're i don't say you're wrong for liking it but like i don't know i don't know there's like this conflict that happens there right between it's my job to sell to this person that's coming in for this thing versus i don't understand why people like this thing it's it, I don't know it's it's complicated it, it especially being behind the counter a lot like I see what sells a lot and some of it I can I can return around like working at when I worked at the movie theater um seeing what movies sell a lot like people that are coming in to see these it's like oh like I haven't seen this yet and I don't know if it's any good but like people seem to like it and I don't understand why and I think that he's like really str like there's a struggle there that I, I understand that he's having. I think he takes it too far, yeah. but. Oh, you, you think sure. I mean, just a little <laughs> bit, maybe just a little bit. <laughs> um, I, uh, I've, I've worked, I've worked in a comic book store. Uh, I worked in a comic book store for like five years and, uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you do get people who are interested in things that you, you aren't interested in, but I, I find it, I find their reaction of just, you know, making this kid like cry and run away. I mean, my, my thought is if they have a Jar Jar doll that this kid wants to buy in the store, why not just sell it to the kid? So yeah. if for nothing else, like you don't have to look at it anymore. Um, I don't know. I think he it's might weird. be worried. You know, he's he's worried about the store's reputation. Maybe I don't know. Like this kid's gonna go around and say, "Oh, they got Jar Jar toys at the store," and all and more kids are gonna come in looking <laughs> for Jar Jar toys. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit there. <laughs> I don't know, um, but I I can say that I have never had an experience like uh, like Tim has had uh, of uh, you know not letting someone buy a thing that they want but i don't know 
I I can also imagine that he didn't have a lot of retail experience prior to getting this job at the Fantasy Bazaar. I imagine that he's had this job since like, you know, whatever the British equivalent of high school is. <laughs> I would tell kids we couldn't make frappuccinos when I worked at Starbucks. <laughs> not gonna lie. <laughs> Like you would tell them it's broken, or you would tell them that like that wasn't that's not real. <laughs> oh no! I, well, uh, we would get the secret menu frappuccinos, bef- and I would say, "Oh, I don't know how to make that." You know? Oh, like the unicorn <laughs> one. Oh god! <laughs> See, I'm so glad I jumped ship before the unicorn frappuccino. <laughs> but back, like toward the end of my tenure there, I was like kind of the beginning of the secret menu phenomenon, like BuzzFeed, like saying, uh-huh. "Oh, there's a secret menu at Starbucks," and we there isn't a secret menu at Starbucks at least at that time there wasn't you know there were some drinks that some people knew the recipes for and would publish online but people would come in asking for a Captain Crunch frappuccino and we may or may not know how to make that and people would get really upset with us when we didn't know how to make it and so I would half the time pretend I didn't know how to make it because I just didn't want to I at the moment at the movie uh, at the movie theater that I work at I work at I'm working at the bar and so like there's a lot of times where people come in and are like we have a menu like these are the drinks that sell a lot and we can do simple cocktails or whatever but people will come in asking for something really specific a lot of the time and I I'm very I totally lean on the like if I don't have a button to ring that in I can't serve it (laughs) and so we might have the stuff to make it but a lot of the times it's like, well, this is a drink that's going to take me like a long time to make. And I have a line and that's not really on our menu. Like, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, it, it's uh, I don't know. Um, in any event, I think that uh, uh, Tim is uh, not the best <laughs> no. uh, retail no. worker. No, no. <laughs> um, but uh, is it? it's interesting that we've sort of accepted as a society that comic book stores. And I mean, Nick and I are, are also guilty of this as we write, uh, you know, a, a, a podcast series about people who work mm-hmm. in a comic book store. Um, we've sort of accepted as a society that the only place where it is acceptable to not have like proper retail uh, customer service is in a comic book store. I don't know why that is, but I find it interesting. I blame the Simpsons. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, That's very true. I guess you just got to think about the kind of people that would run a comic book store. I mean, it's, I guess in 2017, it's sort of become like, the person correcting everyone on Twitter, like in and re- correcting famous do you people, think that that's like in the how replies, it actually is, or do you think that's just like the way it's been portrayed for so long that we sort oh, of sure accept? I mean, but that's but that's everything. But I think that's everything in like media, oh, sure. every kind of like pop iconography, you know, like to the barber shop, mm. to like the mm. you know why were why were all cops Irish in movies like kind of before the Great Depression? You know, like it was. It's <laughs> fair. Just a weird phenomenon that kind of fiction mm-hmm. grabbed and so we it. just sort of accept right. that like well this is how comic books are like com- the these are yeah. the people that read comic books and so these are the people we expect to work at comic book shops and like it's a it's a form <laughs> yeah, of I mean, stereotyping I, I think or just like yeah secondhand 
you know, yeah. archetypes. Yeah. I mean, growing up in Texas, I didn't go to comic book stores a lot. They weren't close to me. There were trees and wheat close <laughs> to me or fields, you know? So, like, I would watch clerks and stuff. I remember being so excited whenever a comic book store would show up in a show, particularly space, because it was like, oh, this magical place where just all these people like me talk mm. and, like, have comics and books and movies around and no one gets punched. <laughs> and, 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 and th but then again, you get older and you see that kind of dark side of, oh, yeah, but a lot of them are, are assholes that are mean to kids because it makes them feel good or helps them helps them tend to a wound that they're dealing with in sure. Tim's case. Right. I, I, uh, all right. So I think, I think we've said, uh, I mean, we're going to bring up Phantom Menace again later, okay. but I think we've said all we can about comic book stores, at least for now. Um, yeah. So we see that like Daisy and Tim are both kind of reacting to their situations differently. And then just kind of like that, that is a very minute, but very specific fear when you're in this stage of your life of like, oh crap, like, am I actually boned am am i screwed have i do i like what are my skill like when that's such a that's always going to be such a jarring question like when it's asked to daisy like what can you do what 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 are you good at and it's it's like oh crap right it's like it can be a i don't know it, it, it very this episode is really good at capturing that kind of a, like absurd feeling sometimes yeah yeah no i i i and i also like <laughs> I, I think the weirdest moment in the whole episode and like weird in a good way. Cause it's just so like weird and specific, yeah, yeah. but I, I love the bit with the lady that's interviewing Tim when he says oh, yeah. difference of opinion. And she's like the phantom menace. And then she's like, I'll get a check out to you in a few days and like L puts her finger, finger to her nose. nose. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> what, what in the world? <laughs> like uh. the fact that they're, that, that they're, finding commonality in each other for not liking a thing is just yeah. the strangest <laughs> idea. Cause I've never, I don't know that I've ever seen that before. She can like sense his pain. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, it's, it's funny that she knows right off the bat, like, Oh, this is the thing. Yeah. Right? It's almost, it's almost like poking fun at that, 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 that community that can be felt after like something bad has happened. Like to attack. I feel like he's, he's probably like, the hundredth person who's come because he's got fired over Phantom Menace opinions. Like, like right. it's, it's just yeah. this is how yeah. it is. Like right the thirtieth guy in his early twenties in nineteen ninety, uh -huh. like two thousand and one. I think it's so it's great, comic book yeah. shop employees, cinema employees. Uh huh. Yeah, so many people. She gets it. <laughs> she knows what's up. Meanwhile, so, uh, yeah, Amber. Back at the apartment. What? Oh no! It's like meanwhile, yeah. Wait, who's Amber? Am Amber is the Amber is Marsha's daughter. Oh right, yeah, the one that left the California with the Back to the Future joke. Right. So, uh -huh. Am meanwhile, Amber has left the nest, and Marsha mm -hmm. is uh, in a state of while well, dealing with change of her own. Um, and yeah, and like half denial, kind of like, or just kind of like, no, it's I'm I'm fine. Like that. Well, then no skin off my back. Right, yeah. She, but she's kind of like there's definitely a sense of mourning coming. Absolutely, from her. yeah. And and she does seem to be. I mean, just like everyone else, kind of at a loss of what to do because she feels like it's funny because you never really see, because you know the whole the whole joke with Amber is that she 
you never see her face. She's just like a force of nature more than a mm-hmm. character. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, I, 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 I'm interested to see like what Amber and Marsha's relationship was like when they weren't screaming at each other. Like what was like, we get, we get a hint of it at the end of last season where uh, Amber uh, takes the cigarette out of out of her mouth and puts it out and like because Marsha's like passed out on the couch and she like you know takes the cigarette out of her mouth puts mm-hmm. it out mm-hmm. and and you know puts her wine on the ground and covers her up with a blanket. So obviously Amber like has feelings for her mother. Um, oh yeah, they're probably best friends when they're not like screaming at each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so I think that. It's interesting that this show finds a way to show that Marsha is mourning a loss, despite the fact that really the only thing we've ever seen of these two characters on this show has been them screaming at each other. Yeah, and I really mm-hmm. think it's a testament to to Julia Deacon that you you can see Marsha's melancholy through mm-hmm. through yeah. the character, through the kind of like veneer of of the, like the funny character. Right. Um, but we get uh but Marsha gets a new amber in the form of Mike. <laughs> yeah, he just <laughs> they, they, I, I love just that shot of Mike whistling as he walks into the apartment building and just, just Marsha watching him like the uh-huh. stepmother. Mike and Marsha they are my favorite character combination on this show. Um, yeah, and it's just one of those things that like couldn't have been planned until yeah. the writers knew these characters enough uh-huh. to know like oh this will be a fun pairing. Oh man. Like just the way that he rubs off on her by the end where she just starts like cleaning guns blindfolded for fun with like wine <laughs> and like, they're going to watch the they're going to watch the A team. Yeah, and she quotes the A team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when when she when she uh gives Brian yeah. enough pain to and yet and yes and yet when she's with brian she is very much like you're an artist brian like you you have the you you need pain like she's able to like know how to talk how to to communicate with each person well she's very weirdly manipulative yeah Uh in a very in a very in that very specific maternal way i don't i don't know where that falls on the dungeons and dragons character sheet grid um i don't know where she where she falls on there she's like i don't know like chaotic neutral or something i'm not sure because because we saw last week she is willing to like step up and like help a friend like whether it's daisy getting arrested or Mm -hmm. chaotic good i don't know yeah chaotic yeah like she has i think so she has a sense of right and wrong Mm -hmm. she's also very selfish right She's selfish, but then also like the thing with Brian, it's that scene is so good because you're watching <laughs> it after her having gotten um turned down by Mike. Yeah. Uh she goes to she goes to Brian's apartment and you have the vibe that she's obviously coming under Brian and we've seen her come under Brian and they obviously have some sort of past, which we actually get our first visual representation of in this Canon. episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's a lot of history going into that scene and you think that she's being 
kind of like gross and like trying to make him make a mistake and and hook up with her uh for the sake of his art mm. but what ends up happening is she shuts she finally leaves and shuts the door and then listens by the door and hears him doing art again and mm-hmm. just sort of like smiles and and then quotes the A team. I love when the line comes together. I really love She's it. so um, good in that moment. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, she was being gross and manipulative. And maybe she did come down there with the intention of of getting laid. Like maybe. But it's God, it's just such a good scene because of what it says about her as a character, like what she's like. She's basically in that moment. She allowed herself to be the representation of uh, of of Brian's pain. Like, just think of me and you'll feel pain and then be able to do art. (laughs) Yeah. I will be that person in that in your life that you need. Yeah. 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 His pain muse. Yeah. His pain muse. It's a little gross and manipulative, but like it's kind of motherly too. She's just like trying to she's she is helping him in a way. Yeah. Despite her clearly not having the highest opinion of of Twist. Yeah. Who she refers to as Twit. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. Aww. Oh, is Twit not her name? Poor, poor Twist. <laughs> Yeah. Aww, oh, I oh twist. I was all about their like their phone their phone rendezvous like setup scene. That was great. Twist was really good in that. I you know, I I find every time I watch this show, I find that I like Brian and Twist less and less. I <laughs> sure. think I think I like them more in the early days when it's just oh, well, yeah, when, when it doesn't like, oh this is happening yeah yeah, yeah. when yeah. it's just sort of like cute and like surface and and awkward and whatever but like yeah. now that they're in a relationship i don't know have you guys ever had friends who have never like have not dated and then just like start dating and it's super weird for everyone in your group like you're just like yeah. na- like I don't. That's weird. Why are you guys dating now? This is yeah. so when strange. Just, yeah, there's like an elephant. In, there's an elephant in the room that no one can address without yeah. like. And you know when they break up, it's going to be even weirder. Uh huh. Like yeah. just that that first time that you guys hang out after like you guys have always hung out all the time, and then the first time that you guys hang out and like sh- like she's sitting on his lap or something. And you're like, this is a weird new dynamic that I don't, I am not comfortable with seeing in my eyes right now. Um, yeah, no, and they're it's... all and they're all just like, this is normal now, right? Isn't this normal? Yeah, this is the way it's always been. Yeah, it definitely happened. I remember it happening a lot more in high school because there's like, you know, only so many people that you know in high school, um, yeah. and you're around each other every day. But uh, it de- it's definitely happened in my twenties and, and, and stuff too. And it's, and I'm sure it's, it's gotten so much harder with like social media. And like, now there's like, you have to be in Instagrams with your significant other. You have to be like relationship <laughs> goals. You have to, and yeah. like, it's yeah, it's well, but, but yeah, I, I don't, um, mm. I, I, I find that them in a relationship, that's what it reminds me of. It's just like, I don't want to see these two friends be together. Cause this is weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did really like them in season one when they're just sort of at that early, like yeah. kind of flirty stage, but like now, yeah, now that they're together, I'm just like, Oh, like this isn't 
what I env- not not this isn't what I envisioned, but like oh, I thought this was gonna be so cute. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, this is why when people when when shippers want their ship to get yes. together. Yeah. Oh, and yes. and and the 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 writer waits until the end of the thing to finally bring them together and the shippers are like, "No, why did you wait so long? I wanted to see them be together." You don't. You, like no. 9 because times out of 10, yes. 9 times out of 10, what you imagine is way better than what would actually happen. The writer yes. is smart for holding it off, letting yeah. the sexual tension hit a peak and then just having them get together and you never see anything more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When when a couple gets engaged at a restaurant that you're at, you don't follow them home, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, what a great memory for me. I'm just gonna they their lives began and ended in that in that after in that evening. Are you right. not supposed exactly. to follow the couples home? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, Brian, what are you doing? <laughs> Following couples home? That's not naturally yeah. what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, oh, that I, that's perfectly understandable. I'm a part of this now. <laughs> my I'm name invested. is brian hello you pulled me into this story by proposing where i was eating dinner yeah now i need to see the conclusion exactly this is your fault i have to see now, the end of the movie now i can never be <laughs> now i can never be full without knowing something about your love life <laughs> you've you've caused me psychological damage um speaking of psychological damage yeah. Uh, well, I I I don't know where you're getting at. What, what, what I was gonna say? Well, will Tim will Tim getting a new job? Oh yeah, it doesn't right. Even matter. Yeah. So he gets a new job at another comic book store. What's the name of this? Comic Wait, book can store? we talk does about? Name? Can we talk about? It does. Can we? Can we talk about the other guy that Bilbo hired that looks exactly like him? Yeah. I love that he. I love that 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 reveal shot of like. Him of like the fake Tim making a Tim face right before it cuts. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think it's so funny. It's great. Uh, for for a half second when I was watching it, I was like, "Is that still? Is that him pretending to be somebody else?" Like, <laughs> I I just I love that he gets hired by you know like faux Bilbo and he and Bilbo hires uh-huh. faux Tim. Like that's that's a really great gag. Uh, mm-hmm. but I will say that, you know, there's only so many episodes and of course I like the show up to this point, but I don't think that there was ever a point in this show where I was like, oh, okay. Like I, I feel at home in this place. Then when, uh, when Bilbo comes, uh, to get Tim uh, from <laughs> his new job and says like, you mm-hmm. know, like come back and work with me and they decided to come back together and he says like well i'm gonna have to get my notice here and he's like can't you get fired and he's like yeah and he goes what's the guy's name what's the bilbo at this place is called it, is it damien damien yeah he goes hey damien babylon 5 is a big pile of shit yeah. <laughs> i think about I you just, whenever yeah. i was like i was like oh this show is written for me yay <laughs> <laughs> really yeah, i really yeah I, I think about you whenever i i see that moment yeah uh, and then we get, and then we get the return of another Scott Corelli favorite, the uh, the happy walk down the street scene. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so funny! Oh, it's so good. This episode ends so giddily. It does. Just between like Tim and Bilbo, and then Tim and Mike, I just feel like like I've also I totally get that feeling of just being on a beanbag with your friend and just like, yes. hey, we did it. We survived another day. Yeah. 
I really do like the two of them on the beanbag chair at the end of the episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so there's something so comfortable about it. It's like, oh, like this is. This is just another day in this kind of ongoing story that's happening here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does feel very sitcom because like we're not physically we're not in a in a much different place than we were at the beginning of the episode but the characters themselves have sort of developed a bit uh-huh which is ironic considering it's called change um yeah i suppose but but yeah it, it's funny because everything has changed but it's also returned to a status quo like in a way because mm-hmm. like you know like Amber's gone but now she has Mike and Mike's moved out but he's still going to come over all the time. Right. And and Brian uh doesn't have it, it Brian is too happy to do art but he has the memories of Marsha to cause him pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and which which going back to what I said like that's a very important lesson for a creative person to learn. It's so easy for a young person to fetishize their own misery the way uh-huh. that, that Brian does and the way that Marsha insists is necessary. But then you get older and you realize that that is kind of like just your idea of tortured artists. Right. And mm-hmm. the, the reality is, of course, you can create art and be happy. And But of course, your pain can... You don't have to forget about your pain. It, it's yours now. You can use it however you want. And that's just kind of a cool message to have in this like goofy, like absurd sitcom. Yep. Definitely. Um, I, uh, yeah, so I, I just, I really love this episode. I feel like we haven't talked enough about Daisy, but like Daisy's story is literally like, I don't even remember. I've, you know, I watched it three times and I barely remember what happens to her at the end after getting rejected for unemployment. She gets a job at the bookstore. Oh, right. That's right. And you get that great pit of her the call back to the joke of her yeah right telling someone excuse me to, do you know where the do you know where the books on self-improvement <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's she might be a worse retail employee than tim honestly yeah oh yeah because we do I think so. yeah because we, we do see that tim is willing to to compromise at the new store like on when he's on the phone with a customer right um, he, I just, he has yeah. learned how to grow. Like that's the thing that he yeah. changed, right? Like he got his job back, but it it came from the result of him learning to appreciate it more. Yeah. I guess like I lo- respecting just, his position more. That that voicemail always makes me laugh. And he's like, Bilbo, please, I don't like it here. It's just it's so <laughs> childlike. I, I love yeah. Bilbo pulling out the cell, uh, or not the cell phone, the te- uh, the answering machine. Answering machine. Yeah, yeah. yeah he brought it with moment. him. Yeah. He was ready for this moment. He brought a whole answering machine with him. Um, I, I I just I I I when I think about like the answering machine, I just like, like why did he bring that with him? And all I can picture is just like Bilbo standing outside of that comic book store, like holding up the answering machine, like the boombox and saying anything. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and just Tim's message playing. I don't like it here, please. <laughs> um but uh yeah no it's it's a it's a great episode and uh I'm I I really like Daisy's arc this season and yeah this me is too. this is just a small piece of it 
Um, I think she's the one that sort of has the ongoing thread the whole season because Tim has stuff in the back half of the season with the comic stuff. Um, yes. But that doesn't come for for another couple of episodes uh, before that starts kicking I off. I do like how it's brought up, though, like lightly in this week's episode. Yes. Um, sort of like foreshadowed. Um, mm-hmm. A side effect of them uh, shooting this with a block schedule. Sure. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I I just I really I do really like Daisy's arc this season um with uh you know having trouble cuz it really seemed like last season she really got her shit together as far as mm-hmm. um well, she knew kung fu. Yeah, like well as far as uh you know becoming like a working writer and stuff. Like she sold a few pieces, she did you know, she did she did some good work mm-hmm. and now she's struggling again. And But that uh, feels realistic to me too, where yeah. it, it is it is kind of two steps forward, one step back mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Yeah. Absolutely. Um so uh we'll start with you, Brian. Uh do you remember the first time that you watched this series um and what you thought of it? Uh it must have been shortly after the first time I saw Shaun of the Dead. Uh uh, my high school theater teacher actually introduced me to Shaun of the Dead. We, uh, My senior year, we did a production of Night of the Living Dead, the play based on the movie. And Whoa. Yeah. Uh, and it was super cool. <laughs> and <coughs> yeah, my – so I'd watched Night of the Living Dead, watched Shaun of the Dead, watched you know all the zombie movies. And my, my theater teacher was like, okay, you need to watch Shaun of the Dead now. And I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this. And then – Went back, told him how much I loved it. And he was like, okay, well, now this this director, he has a TV show that you need to watch. And so uh, <laughs> I borrowed I, I borrowed the tapes from him, literally tapes at the time. And, nice. it, and he taped them. And so borrowed the tapes from him, watched them. And actually, I hadn't watched them until, again, until now. Rewatching wow. them for this, for the podcast. That those must have been like bootleg tapes that your teacher had because oh, oh they were very bootleg yes <laughs> yeah yeah because because yeah. spaced wasn't available in America until after Hot Fuzz yeah uh, legally so that's that's really that's really cool you were probably you know one of the very early uh, American people mm. to see spaced my my theater teacher was a very cool person what can i say yeah <laughs> apparently nice jeez that's awesome i, I strive it's like I, having like a i strive to be him for my kids you know what can i say <laughs> yeah that's like having like the japanese cover art of like an album right yeah it's true uh and and gary we know that you just watched it uh <laughs> when you found yeah. out we were doing this on the show so what are your what are your thoughts uh, you know, having I've, having I, seen everything from Edgar Wright prior to watching Space. Oh man, I think I'm gonna disappoint you guys. Uh, I've seen Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, but I think I've only seen them once. I I didn't really appreciate them. I it was one of those things that I think I like saw them at a friend's house, but we weren't really watching the movie. It was just kind of like a thing that was on. Yeah, yeah. So my first like real experience with Edgar Wright is absolutely Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Um, Oh, nice. It came out not long after I started working at the movie theater. I saw it an absurd number of times because I had never seen anything like it before. And then I watched 
since, I mean, since then I've seen world's end a couple times. I saw baby driver when it came out and I've, went back and watched the series for this. I haven't even gone back and watched Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz yet. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. So I expect that like when I sit and watch those, it's going to be a whole different thing than like where I was at when I was a teenager or whatever. Yeah, that'll be seeing interesting. Seeing it at a friend's house. Um, <laughs> but watching the show right now, uh, I part of me appreciates that it's really short just because like... I was able to sit and watch season one in an afternoon and I loved it. It feels so much like where I'm at in my life right now, right? Like a 20 something who's struggling to hold a, a job so they can pay the bills. But like, uh, it's me and my, my roommate who's like a girl that I've known from however long that like, there's it, there's so much that I see of myself in a lot of these characters and I don't know. It's kind of delightful for me to, to, to experience that. I, I just watched season two over the weekend before preparing for this episode. So, um, this is really fresh in my head and I don't know. I, I don't know how, how soon I'm going to rush into watching to rewatching Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz now that I've finished watching Spaced and kind of seeing where he's, where, where the trio of them kind of started mm -hmm. um it's been a lot of fun i really do i don't tend to watch a lot of tv and when i do like sitcoms comedy is not really my thing when it comes to like television shows mm -hmm. and yet i i really I, i'm often attracted to things that like either i see myself in or things that have like some sort of emotional investment. And maybe this isn't the most like, this isn't like a dramatic television show in any sort of way, but there are definitely moments that I identify with more than a lot of the television that I'm watching now. Oh, sure. Know? Yeah. Um, and that's something that I've really, really, really enjoyed. Uh, I still have the finale left to watch. I haven't seen like how the show ends. Oh, mm -hmm. wow. So you're, you're on the cliffhanger right now. The Empire yeah, Strikes I Back have, cliffhanger. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not there yet. And uh, I'm kind of sitting on it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I almost don't want to let these characters go. Yeah. Right? There's uh, there's one episode of Pushing Daisies that I've never seen mm. for the same reason. Yeah. I understand. I, I totally understand. I have um, t uh, like book series that I haven't finished the last book or like comics that like I've sort of left abandoned because you really become invested in the characters and in the world of it. And, and there's something really pleasant about like knowing that I can go back to that at any time. Yeah. But I feel like once it's done, there's like a real finality to it. Like this isn't a thing that's going to come back. And so do I want to let, I don't know if I want to let that go yet. Yeah. Um, I will say I think I'll probably wait for you guys to get there. Yeah, I will say that there is a feature length documentary on the DVD set um, about the making of Spaced. Uh, it's it's you know like an hour and a half, and it's a really it's a really good documentary, and it's got um, Jessica Simon and Edgar sort of like walking the streets of of London and going by uh -huh. like the house and. You know, a lot of the, like, you know, the, the fantasy bazaar and stuff like that. And it's, it's 
really, really good and a really like the the finale is excellent. Um, okay, and and we're gonna talk about that, but but I will say that emotionally, I find that documentary a better capper to the series for me emotionally. Oh sure, I understand that. Um, so just never watch that. <laughs> okay, I'll just I'll just leave that one alone and be like, I know that that's there for me. No, actually, that makes me curious. Um, knowing that there's like a behind the scenes thing for this, is that like something that Edgar Wright has done for all of his stuff? Like, because I know that personally, like going through the Blu-ray for Scott Pilgrim, there is way more content available. Like this yeah. is the production stuff and here is how we did this and here is i am blown away by how open he is at least with that particular movie with like here's everything that we were working on and here's how we made this thing yeah. happen and i find that really fascinating well edgar edgar in general is kind of a nerd for that stuff for like special features okay. and things like on like you know he talks about how much he likes that stuff so i think that he made it a priority to do that for all of his films. Really, In fact, I'm going through really love that. uh the stuff on the Shaun of the Dead Blu-ray and I'm actually finding it lacking in comparison to all of his other films um, okay which all have like feature length behind the scenes stuff and and everything and there's still a ton of stuff on the Shaun of the Dead Blu-ray but it's it is way less than most of the stuff he's done so i think yeah he just in general has he just wants to share oh, it all i find that yeah. really admirable yeah he's always just made it a priority i think yeah um, I, 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 I like that a lot. Um, I mean, going back to Scott Pilgrim, that's something that like, that's a movie that I've watched a lot, but I feel like every time I put that move, that, that Blu-ray in, I'm watching like a different behind the scenes thing and I'm still not done. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's impressive. Yeah. The amount of work that he's willing, like how much he's sharing right like i don't feel like you get that a lot of the process a lot of the behind the scenes like i don't want to say nonsense or mumbo jumbo but like the the here's all of what it took to put this together right um because before i really started doing any of the movies by minutes sort of shows or working at a movie theater even i didn't really appreciate the amount of work that went into making a movie and I, even even with dozens of hours of extra content, I know that this is just like scratching the surface of the work that goes into putting something like this together. Uh -huh. And I find I find that really cool. Yeah, for sure. The other thing, too, I wanted to ask you guys about, and I guess I'll ask Brian because he's been quiet for a while. <laughs> um, I'm sorry I, to be super chatty. <laughs> I... Uh, uh, it's okay, Gary. It's a safe place for 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 nerdity. Um, oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, but I I do want to say that every time I watch this show, I find that the comparisons to Scott Pilgrim are always coming up in my mind. Absolutely. Um, mm. And do you think it's? Because and I'm just of the wondering. I'm just wondering what you what you guys think about that sort mm. of. Um, I guess that aspect of space is sort of like a proto Scott Pilgrim. 
Uh, I I just love it because uh, you know, you you get little inklings here and there of different of you know the different later work that you know Edgar Wright's going to do. But man, I, I my wife and I were watching some episodes before recording, and I just remember I can't remember what episode it was. The scene where Daisy and uh, Daisy and Tim are having an argument, and it keeps cutting back and forth between the fighting game on the PlayStation, uh-huh. and uh, yes. and then. As Tim walks out, it says, you know, Daisy wins. And I, I was like, oh, my God, this is this is Scott Pilgrim yes. right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yes. it, it was so much fun to watch. And I, I love watching the games that uh, that Tim is playing all the time. Like, I, I, I remember he's watching he's I... playing Tomb Raider three. And I'm just like, oh, God, that game looks awful. <laughs> and I, but I played that game and I loved that game. And I'm like, that game did not age well. But uh, yeah, just watching them play these games and watching them, watching how well they integrate the games into the show. Yeah, it's, I, I was just like, this is Scott Pilgrim right here. <laughs> this, you, you can see, even though it's not his original work, you see why he got that, why he got that movie later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um I uh yeah and then I I just you definitely there's the video game stuff but I think the other thing that I always the video game stuff is definitely there. Uh-huh. Um for sure. And yeah. the way that the video game stuff sort of interacts with real life um is definitely there. But the other thing that I is always struck me about it is like one the themes of just sort of like you know, being a 20, 20 something, uh, and struggling yeah, totally. to get by that's definitely there. But then also just like simple things, like the way he just shoots people talking, like just doing really like mundane things, like, you know, having the conversation about knives chow at the beginning of Scott Pilgrim, <laughs> um, you know, like in just the way that he would yes. shoot, like, you know, like the the Mulan conversation, you know, <laughs> like it feels very Scott Pilgrim to me. Well, it just has the same rhythm to right. it. Yeah. The same pace. Right. The same Can setup I of a joke. ask, have you guys, since you've been going through space, um, one of the things that I noticed really heavy with like Scott Pilgrim and World's End and uh, and Baby Driver, like every time I've rewatched, I notice that like. There's so many threads that are connecting things that are going to happen or so many callbacks to like little things that like you take kind of it is inconsequential on your first viewing. Uh huh. Every time I watch Scott Pilgrim, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that this was something that was going to come back into the movie. And it does. Or do you find that happening here? Like with the TV show, like things that come up in episodes that like you don't expect to come back or references to things that happened that seemed innocuous at the time. Um, not as much, but I think that's, be- that's because, uh, Edgar doesn't write this show. Um, and I, okay. th- and I think those things that, that particular, I don't know if you'd call that a trope or I'm, I don't, I don't know. Just- with signature Flavor. yeah <laughs> signature whatever um i think that that's coming from edgar because i think it's it's part of his sort of like visual okay. palette and just directorial identity um and and so because he doesn't write this show he has less opportunity to do stuff like that is 
are are the handful of movies he've done like his only writing like is there outside of the cornetto trilogy and like scott pilgrim and baby driver and spaced like do you have other stuff is there other edgar wright stuff that you guys have to draw on for kind of reference just the show that you have to the best of my knowledge the only other two things that he has written are uh tintin the steven spielberg movie what and yeah what you're what i okay i did not know that okay sorry i'm sorry and Mm ant-man um Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, yes, that makes that makes a that makes sense. I I was aware of that. I did not know that he wrote Tintin. Are you serious? Yeah. Um. It was I that, that that script that now. that script is actually insane because it's Edgar Wright, Joe Cornish, the director of Attack the Block. Oh, oh. my god! And and Stephen Moffat. Are you? Oh my! Oh my God! I'm gonna watch that movie again like tonight. Are you crazy? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. I it's didn't know that. A crazy, a crazy pedigree on that script. It's nuts. Yeah, um, but yeah. So I mean, I guess, I guess those are the only things that we would have to derive from. Sure. I guess because uh, that's the thing that that's but. one of the things that I like really enjoy the most about watching an Edgar Wright film is that like. Every time I watch it, I find things I didn't notice before. And yeah. there's a lot of movies that I like that like, you know, you see it like two, three, four times every time you see it, you're pulling something out of. But like, I can't tell you how many times I've I've watched Scott Pilgrim and I still find things that I didn't expect in it. Yeah. And uh, and that's something that I really admire about what he's doing with the writing and the camera work. And, mm-hmm. like, there's so many levels to the work going in. Yeah. Um, one, one other thing, too, that I guess Nick and I could do as far as, like, trying to triangulate Edgar Wright's uh, style toward sure. – um, uh, in In these uh, Cornetto movies – I mean, one, we have Baby Driver, which is like a concentrated yeah. Edgar Wright because um, it's just him. But yes. uh, but we also have examples of Simon Pegg writing on his own, uh, you know, like because he, he wrote um, Run, Fat Boy, Run. And uh, oh. he wrote uh, Paul and Star Trek Beyond. So we mm. we have those things that we could sort of like – backwards engineer to see like well okay here's the things that simon is interested in so i guess that would mean that these things are edgar wright stuff yeah that's interesting i didn't even consider the fact that because you're doing a trilogy of movies that like not only share a director but share two leads right um there's so much influence from all of them that must go into that process right definitely right yeah wow i'm really excited for this show to start proper i'm really excited to go back and watch (laughs) Shaun of the dead and and hot fuzz over for the first time in oh my goodness i can't tell you how long it's years and years and years uh, that's gonna yeah, be we're excited. that's gonna be a crazy experience for you, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be cool. I I knowing how I am with stuff, know that 
they'll just they're just obsessions that'll overtake me for a little while i'll just watch <laughs> those movies again and again and again until i'm satisfied right <laughs> I, i've noticed that about you gary that's how it goes usually when i when i find like either a new tv show or a new movie or whatever like that's the thing that i'm on right now yeah um until i'm done with it and then i can so like I feel really guilty. I haven't been listening to a lot of minute shows, which I really strive to do being part of that community. But like right now I have a different podcast that I've, I've been binging on and I literally to the sake of everything else. Yeah. Just like been trying to consume this thing. And it's just how it goes for me. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, all right. Well, uh, thanks, uh, for, for joining us guys. Um, Brian, you don't really have anything to plug yet. Right? No, not really just, at just this a, moment. Just a human life, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just this human life I got going on here. Yeah. Just his, you know, his Twitter and his like. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's true. You should, you should promote your stuff. Twitter. Yeah, I'm on, uh, uh, I'm on Twitter at, at, at I Hear Ramona Sing. Oh, look Which at that. Which I love. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim reference. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gary, you have lots of things to promote. Oh my goodness. Um, right now we're doing Ferris Bueller's minute off, which is probably getting, I don't know when this airs, but we're, we're getting really close to the end very fast. And I don't know if I'm ready for it to be over, but we're doing Ferris Bueller's minute off and you can find that at Bueller minute or on Facebook at Ferris Bueller's minute off or the save Ferris society, which is our closed group. And coming soonish again, I don't know when this is. Um, uh, we're doing Harry Potter minute as well. So season one is completely over. We've covered all every minute of Sorcerer's Stone. That's at HarryPotterMinute.com or Dueling Genre, of course, and Facebook, Twitter. We have a listener group for that as well. That's Harry Potter Minute and the Listener's Army. And we are starting with Chamber of Secrets very, very soon. Um, November, who knows the number, the date. I don't know <laughs> the specific yet. But, like, sometime in November is the plan for that. So that should be happening uh, relatively soon. All right. I think that's, I think that's everything. All right. For now. Very yeah, cool. That's not enough. <laughs> it's, it's, if, if I could only podcast, I probably would. I mean, I think we'd all do that. Um, I mean, yeah, 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 right? Like, that's the dream, I think, for us. I'd be on yeah. board with that. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. I'm for it. Um. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back in a couple of days with another episode. In the meantime, if you haven't joined the Cornetto Minute Listeners Pub on Facebook, Go and do that. Uh, and if you are uh, liking what we're doing and you want to check out the other stuff that uh, we do on the network, go to DuelingGenre.com and check out um, Gary's other shows that he mentioned is along with the uh, many, 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 many other podcasts that we do, do at DuelingGenre.com, including uh, the, uh, the podcast series that we sort of uh, talked about uh, here. If you don't understand the references we were making to Gibson and Cosmo, yes. you should be listening to Geek by Night, the original podcast favorite. series that uh, Nick and I executive produce. We write it and uh, executive produce it. So go, I don't... go check that out. 
think I've had the chance to I I'm sorry to like take over your plugs, but I don't think I've had a chance to say this to you guys both like like together. But when I found Back to the Future Minute, it was like right before some like family vacation I was taking or whatever. I didn't have I downloaded Geek by Night um, because of the plugs that had happened on the show and whatever and binged the entirety, like everything that I could get my hands on for the show in a very short amount of time. And I can't think of another like radio drama that I could see myself in. Like the characters are so much like people that I know. And I don't know. I really love it. I really, I'm really excited for like where geek by night is going. Well, thank you very much, Gary. For sure. I don't feel like I get a chance to like brag about it enough. I've like plugged you guys on our shows, but it's um I don't know. I don't listen to a lot of fictional podcasts. And the ones that I do I usually really like take my time with, but like I just I think I binged through a half a dozen episodes in a couple of days because Oh nice. <laughs> because it's fun. It's a lot of fun and the characters are rich and it definitely like it's it's easy to see that you guys really know the people that you're writing. Like, I I don't know. I admire it. I like it a lot. Well, thank you very much. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Brian. Uh, (laughs) 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 Uh, I'm I'm a pretty good big fan too. (laughs) Ditto. (laughs) I bet I've been shit while Gary was on vacation too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, We'll see you next week, guys. All right. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 